Production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated. Good afternoon and welcome to the City Club of Cleveland. We are devoted to conversations of consequence that help democracy thrive. It's Friday, August 25th, and I'm Cynthia Connolly, Director of Programming here, and we are broadcasting live outdoors under the chandelier at US Bank Plaza at Playhouse Square. Round of applause for, for today. It is the final forum in City Club's free Friday forum series this August, ahead of our move to, to, into our our brand new Playhouse Square headquarters next month, just behind me right here on stage. If you'd like to learn more about the City Club's move, please visit cityclub.org. Today, we are talking about investing in entrepreneurship and economic development in Cleveland's Hispanic community. We know that entrepreneurs are vital to our communities. They generate jobs and provide access to resources we all need to thrive. Minority-led small businesses and entrepreneurs of color, in particular, bring cultural diversity to the surrounding community. One of the places highlighting the importance of Hispanic entrepreneurship is Centro Via 25, located in Cleveland's Clark Fulton neighborhood on the near west side. The Northeast Ohio Hispanic Center for Economic Development is working to ensure Centro Via 25 becomes a reality by April of 2024. Here with me today is Janice Contreras, the Executive Director of the Northeast Ohio Hispanic Center for Economic Development, an established leader in small business and community development, as well as healthcare and nonprofit management. Janice is a driving force in the revitalization of Cleveland's Clark Fulton neighborhood, La Villa Hispana, and the future home of Centro Via 25. If you are tuning in at 89.7 WKSU or joining via our live stream and have a question for our speaker today, you can text it to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794, and our City Club staff will work their best to work it into the second half of the program. Members and friends of the City Club, please join me in welcoming Janice Contreras. Janice. First of all, big congrats on the announcement of Centro Via 25. I am so proud and so happy for you and your community. Um, I would love to start with just a little bit of background on what Centro Via 25, maybe the history of how it came to be, and maybe the, the magnitude of the moment that you're feeling right now. Yeah, well, thanks, Cynthia, and thanks, City Club, for this opportunity. Thank you for everyone that's here and watching um, over live stream. Um, this is a really exciting time for Cleveland, for the Latino community, for entrepreneurship. Um, for us, it's a dream being finally realized. Um, you know, the Latino community has a long-standing history in this region, yet we haven't had our space. We haven't had our place. Um, and so it's really Centro Villa is the first physical manifestation of generations and decades of work. And so the excitement for our community is, is huge. We had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to celebrate the groundbreaking. Um, I've been to many groundbreakings. I've never seen over 300 people in one 
building in the middle of July, super hot. But I think that's just a testament of um, the excitement that the community has around finally having a place where community can happen. Um, obviously, we're in the heart of the Clark Fulton neighborhood. Um, it's a neighborhood that has the largest density of Latino residents in the state of Ohio. Yet, the neighborhood um, on its physical development side, right, you don't see that. You drive down Clark and West 25th and Store Avenue and I could tell you this amazing story of the vibrant community and businesses and residents that are part of the fabric of this neighborhood, but nothing from its physicality tells you that. And so it's really important for the neighborhood um, to finally get the attention it merits, but more importantly, the investment um, and needs for community to really happen. And again, Centro Villa is kind of like the first um, of hopefully many other projects and development and growth that we see, but still true and authentic to the folks that live here, right? Yeah. So oftentimes in um, development, right, you redevelop a neighborhood, but unfortunately the poor people have to move out and the people that move in are not, are, are, are kind of break the fabric of what it was in its first place. And so what happens when you do community development with the people um, along to change the conditions of that neighborhood and give them opportunity in the process? Yeah, what did it take to get Centrovia 25 to reality? I know it was a lo very long process. I know uh, Councilman Jasmine Santana had a, a large hand in helping this as well. Uh, what did it take to make this a reality? Yeah, so for me specifically, again, there's been folks that have been working on this forever, but it's been 10 years. It's been a decade in the making, right? And it's changed um, in, in its form throughout, but very consistent always about being a place. Um, a place for entrepreneurship, a place for community. Um, that's been at the heart of it. And so, you know, the difference is I am not, uh, I would have never called myself a developer. Um, now I could call myself a developer. Um, but it was really learning how these projects get done, right? How do you get government support? How do you learn about tax credits? Um, it's complicated. And unfortunately, there's only a small group of individuals that understand the complexities or have the resources to spend the time to kind of crack that nut, right? And figure out how do you get that done? And so I think that's what took the longest was really figuring out the structure, figuring out how to build a team. Um, but one thing that we knew that was important is that if we were going to redevelop this neighborhood, it needed to be by the people and for the people, right? Mm -hmm. That we did not want to hire a private developer to develop. It probably would have gotten done a lot faster had we just hired a developer and had done it for us. But I think the learning and the lesson and the grit that has come along with us doing it ourselves makes for a better product, you know, as far as the real estate itself. But more importantly, we could do it again, right? Yeah. The first time is always the hardest, but it's like, all right, now that we're getting Centro Villa now, what is the community? need next and so we're starting to have those conversations um, funding is always complicated right we also you know we're, we were doing this in the middle of a pandemic in the middle of a, you know a recession and so we've had all of these external factors that have impacted our ability uh, to do Centro Villa that threw curveballs on our project. Honestly, we had moments that it's like, are we even going to be able to pull it off, right? And we had to have some really serious conversations with leaders on what it takes and what you need to be able to make this project happen. And, um, you know, it wasn't easy. It was messy. Um, but ultimately, I think we've gotten a lot of leaders from a lot of different sectors, government, corporate, nonprofit, community advocates to really say Centro Vija needs to happen. And yeah. that is really the, the rising tide that's making this project eventually come to fruition. And I think what makes Centro Vija 25 so extraordinary is that, you know, we're, we see this development 
in rooted in culture, right? Culture is the anchor of what we're seeing here in Central V. I know you said La Posita is this weekend, correct? Which is an incredible, like community-driven um, event. Highly recommend people check that out down in Clark Fulton. But culture, using culture as an anchor. I remember, you know, when we were seeing the development in Ohio City around um, uh, the West Side Market Centennial, really spurring a lot of economic development down in Ohio City in that market district. Um, how how is um, you know the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and other entrepreneurs using that culture as the anchor to really spur that development on 25th? Yeah, so we have to lead with culture, right? Uh, it is a diverse neighborhood, um, and so I think it's it's that's how that's how we identify, you know, to who we are and where we come from. Um, the Latino community is very prideful and, and very engaged. And there, we're also a community of entrepreneurs, right? And so um, leading with culture is a key ingredient to the success and, and authenticity in the culture, right? So, because culture can mean a lot of different things. For us, it's very specifically to ethnicity and where you come from or what you consider home, right? And so I think that has been the base um, for us. You know, in, in the Latino community, we cook with sofrito, right? And you have to have sofrito as your base. And so our base for Centro Villa has been culture. And then how do you use that to elevate a community, right? That's disenfranchised, that's disengaged, that can't access resources and build upon that. And so um, that's really the heart of Centro Villa is saying, we need to develop this neighborhood. We need to create opportunities, but we need to do it in a way that's authentic to who we are. Um, that anybody that comes to Centro Villa could find a little piece of home, mm -hmm. right? It could be a fruit, it could be a, a music, it could be art, it could be a, a, a religious expression. Um, really want to create a space that's welcoming for all and not prescriptive to one specific group. Yeah, and let's let's talk a little bit about the branding we're seeing coming out of Centro Villa 25. Um, we see a lot of kind of branding, you know, pop up in different pockets of neighborhoods. You know, Hinchtown comes to mind, Gordon Square, the Market District, which I mentioned earlier. These aren't necessarily neighborhoods, but they're districts within, you know, Clark Fulton or Ohio City or Detroit Shoreway. Um, where did La Vie Hispana come from? Um, where, you know, what was the, the orig origin of that? And um, why have some districts been really quick to latch onto this branding and others not so much? Yeah, so the Centro Villa concept um, was birthed in the 1980s, actually, as a resolution of conventions that our community has held um, to really plan strategies. And a lot of the organizations that have started within the Latino community, like the Spanish American Committee, Esperanza, a lot of these things happen through resolutions. It's really a community process on what does our community need next? And so La Villa Hispana was around community and economic development. So that's where we first um, hear the name. There are feasibility studies from the city that use um, La Villa Hispana. Fast forward, you know, a lot of those projects, unfortunately, didn't come to fruition. Um, but about 10 years ago, there was a lot of conversation around doing a transit-oriented study on, to, on the West 25th corridor. And there was a lot of planning that was happening, but it was missing the fact that it was the heart of the Latino community. And so I think that's where Latino leadership organized and say, wait a minute, we're here. You know, and if there is a planning process that's being done, we have to be a part of it. And so... When they say, okay, what is that? We call it La Villa Hispana because that was just the name that was familiar to us, honestly. And so that's really kind of the rebirth of La Villa Hispana. Whether we stick with La Villa Hispana or we choose a different name, I think we all could agree, and I say this a lot, so if you've heard me speak, you've heard this, Clark and Fulton were probably really nice guys, but they say nothing about our neighborhood, right? It's not reflective of the fabric of what we are. And so La Villa Hispana has become that name of knowing, hey, you are in a Hispanic, ethnic enclave and it should be it should be promoted and it should be celebrated. 
why have other neighborhoods um, you know, taken off quicker than others? I think it's resources, right? Having the money, if I had the money to run the signs and do a whole marketing campaign, you know, like my colleagues at Hingetown or other neighborhoods, we would have done that. But unfortunately, you have a nonprofit organization that already has a heavy lifting on our own mission and our core work every day, taking on an enormous transformative project that otherwise wouldn't have gotten done. And so I think the resources and the who, who has the resources and who doesn't makes a difference specifically in that area. And I think you draw a really good point about representation and inclusion. You talk mm -hmm. about the planning process for the 25th uh, corridor, which we'll, we will definitely touch on a little bit later. But you know that representation and inclusion is so important. And also having leadership and people in positions of leadership. We just had our, our first Latina councilwoman elected just a, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, Councilwoman Jasmine Santana. Um, where else are we missing like key leadership and opportunities in the city, in, in the philanthropic network, the nonprofit network? I mean, where would you like to see more support in lifting up these leaders? Yeah. Honestly, in every layer, <laughs> I would say there needs to be um, Hispanic representation. Um, and I think for a long time, folks are like, well, we don't know where the Hispanics are. We don't know if they're out there, right? We have an amazing effort that's being done by Marcia Moreno, which is 100 Latinos to know. And that came out of her own frustration on corporate, you know, corporate partners or nonprofits or boards coming and asking her one, but also saying that there aren't none, right? So every year she's giving you 100 to pull from. And I think they're on their third cohort yeah. of Latino leaders. So again, recognizing that the, there is a vibrant Latino community of new leaders, old leaders, and everything in between that are ready to serve and ready to step into these roles. Um, our community, again, has a long history. We have folks that are degreed. We have folks in just every industry, but it's really having that opportunity and looking around the table and recognizing um, how diversity is lacking in many boards, many C-suites, um, right here in our own backyard. We don't have to go very far. I mean, with, with um, you know, the 100 leaders you need to know, we think we're at like 300 now, like you said, with Marcia Moreno's work. Um, have you been seeing a shift uh, since we've, you know, those efforts in getting more uh, Latinos in positions of leadership to help, you know, uh, advocate on behalf of, say, Central Via 25 or La Via Hispana and other, um, you know, upcoming investment opportunities? Yeah, I mean, qualitatively on my end, definitely. I'm getting to meet a lot, of, a lot of Latinos that I didn't know, right? And so I know it's a resource that I use on who do I need to engage, who do I need to know, um, as well as one that others should. So I hope that we're starting to see people tap into to Marcia as a resource. Um, and there, I'm sure there's hundreds of others that we still haven't identified or are still not um, part of that. So I, I encourage everyone, whatever, whatever space you sit in, to really figure out how do you connect and engage. Um, for too long, um, leadership in Cleveland has been very black and white, you know, and so I think that doesn't work anymore. I think we miss an opportunity for diversity and thoughts and leaderships and style um, that we are all better for once we, we achieve that inclusion. Yeah. When we think about those who are non-Hispanic, uh, what does what does an engaged, you know, corporate support look like from those who are, you know, leading who are not Hispanic who want to support? What does that engagement look like? Yeah. So it starts with learning, right? Just learning and understanding the community. 
um, taking the time, right, to, to be able to contribute and engage in a meaningful way. Um, we get that every corporate partner, every government entity, every, you know, whatever sector you're from, um, we all have goals, we all have limited budgets, we all have, you know, a ton of work, um, but really leaning in on what, what, what is the community interested in, what are their pain points, and how can you connect the dots in a meaningful way, because more than often we're going to have more things in common that we don't, and so I think it's that meaningful engagement. Yes, we'd love to get checks. Yes, we need resources. But beyond that, we need thought partners. We need advocates. We need champions, specifically in all these places where we don't have representation. And until we get the right representation, we need the voices of others to help lift, whether it's the Latino community, whether it's any other minority community. Yeah. When looking at um, the work that went in, uh, 10 years, a decade worth of work uh, for Central Via 25 uh, in La Vie Hispana, um, what were some of the barriers that you saw doing in this work and things that ways that you've, you've your organization has overcome those barriers mm -hmm. and what are some of the really good things that you're seeing happening right now that makes your job a little bit easier as a as a leader in the community yeah, so I mean, I think some of the challenges and when I've had other organizations reach out and kind of ask like, you know, how did you get this done? Honestly, um, has been a lot of just grit and not giving up, not taking no for an answer. Like I have, if I would have gotten, I don't know, 500,000 for each no, I would have made my fundraising goal a long time ago, right? Um, lots of no's, lots of doors shut, um, making it complicated, right? Every time we do, oh, well, this is the checklist and you gotta do this, or you gotta do that, and mind you, you know, I am a, a nonprofit executive trying to break into development and, and commercial real estate. Um, so I think I had a lot of barriers in just trying to understand it. I was also fortunate to have some partners that helped me break it down. You know, Cleveland Development Advisors, you know, Betsy Figgy, other folks in town that know how to do this in a way that's intentional um, to help me figure it out step by step. Um, having Councilwoman Santana say, hey, if the financials don't make sense, help her make it make sense, right? Don't just say no, but really push people. Um, and so ultimately, you know, we our community didn't go away. Um, we have gotten such broad consensus that Centro Villa needed to happen and has really uplifted our community to say this needs to happen. And so I think consistently we have persisted, right, insisted, um, came back even though we got a thousand no's um, until we get it done. The reality is, and, and obviously I've lived in Puerto Rico and I've lived in Cleveland and I haven't lived anywhere else, right, because I'm living the dream right here, but I'm sure that in many cities, decisions are made the same way. You have to have government, you have to have philanthropy, and you have to have corporate leaders say yes at the same time. And so I think that's where we're at. I think we finally have convinced everybody that, hey, these folks are not going away. It's the right thing to do. They've taken the time to come in, get the tour, walk around, understand the community, and say yes at the same time to get a Centro Villa. Yeah, I mean, we a lot of uh, BIPOC communities always talk about the, the hustle culture, the grit, the perseverance. We, we, we you stay in the game. Um, but at one point, will we will the, the BIPOC communities have the same access to capital and opportunity and maybe just take a break, right? <laughs> yeah, Cynthia, it's exhausting. <laughs> it is, it is um, exhausting work. I think, you know, what kept... And I get to sit up here and tell the story, right? There's so many, like hundreds of people that have worked on making this happen. But um, we keep coming back and we keep at it because we know it's the right thing. But it shouldn't be that hard, right? It shouldn't take 10 years. It shouldn't 
exhaust and drain organizations to get something done that's just that makes sense. Um, I think the other piece for us is we knew it had to make financial sense. We knew we needed a business case. And so we really did our homework, you know, and it was very difficult to see other projects that were half-baked get the funding with no problem. You know, they just got their permitting, got everything done, and here we are, you know, doing our homework, doing it. I felt like I was running a political campaign, right? You know, yeah. I read the book and said, all right, how do you win a campaign? And I ran out there and tried to do it, and it was still hard, right? So I think it's just that um, recognizing that development in our city needs to look different, that it needs to represent the people it's intended for, um, and that we need to create a more supportive environment so that that can occur. Let's, let's talk a little about immigrant contributions here in Cleveland. Uh, Global Cleveland, a, a great friend of the City Club, they said that immigrants and refugees are twice as likely, likely as native-born to become entrepreneurs, and nearly one-fifth of immigrants aged 27 years or older in the Cleveland metro area have a graduate or professional degree. That is a great deal of talent and brain gain, if you will, coming to Northeast Ohio. Um, are we seeing more growth and support for immigrant entrepreneurship, particularly through Central Via and La Via Hispana? Absolutely. I think we're also seeing organizations that traditionally didn't serve um, diverse entrepreneurs wanting to serve diverse entrepreneurs and really understanding the importance to support immigrant um, entrepreneurs. So I think it's it's nice that we're not the only game in town, right? Folks have options for where to go. And obviously, you know, we're happy to facilitate and partner. Um, at our, we're a small business development center, and we see over a 1,000 clients a year. That's a lot for a tiny organization. And that has been since COVID. Prior to COVID, we were about 400 business clients a year. Um, so we are experiencing the growth, but so are my partners in the, in the small business ecosystem unseen that increase, I think the challenge is also making sure that those institutions have representation, right? Yep. That has somebody that looks like them and could talk to them and could walk them through an application process and get them through that. So the growth is there, um, you know, nationally, regionally, statewide, population growth is Latino, right? The Latino community is growing no matter how you cut out the census or everywhere you look. And so it's important for us to figure out how we're serving the community. One thing that has been unexpected for Centro Villa, you know, Cleveland has been a primary Puerto Rican um, community for a very long time, still is. But we're seeing a lot of growth of others, you know, the Mexican community, Salvadoran community, the Dominican community, who just celebrated their first festival last weekend, right? We're seeing a lot of growth just in every, every area. In the last month, and, and currently, Centro Villa is just an empty warehouse building. We have maximized it. We've done activities. I do free tours until next week because we'll be an active construction site. But we have had the Dominican consulate and the Salvadorian consulate do mobile um, consul clinics in Centro Villa. Um, last weekend at four in the morning, you had lines of Salvadorians in our building wow. waiting. I mean, that was, wow, that's unexpected. All because we created a space for them to come and be able to do that. So the amount of growth that we have, I mean, I think it would be a, a misfortune if our community didn't really pay attention to what's happening with the Latino community and how we contribute to the fabric of the growth of our region. And, and you, you spoke about the Puerto Rican community in um, Clark Fulton area, um, very vibrant, very diverse, uh, um, just such pride. Um, but Puerto Ricans are not immigrants, and I think a lot of people forget that. Uh, what is the difference in approach to entrepreneurship for the Puerto Rican community, and what obstacles and opportunities are you seeing them face right now? 
Yeah, obviously, I think um, the Puerto, Rick Puerto Rican entrepreneurs have the benefit that we're U.S. citizens, right? And so we're eligible for all, the, all of the federal programming, whereas when we have immigrant entrepreneurs, there might be additional hurdles that we need to, especially when it comes to access to capital and other opportunities. So I think that's primarily the challenge. Um, but on the flip side, sometimes the grit and the, you know, folks come here regardless of how they got to Northeast Ohio with a passion and sweat equity. And that's the business plan, right? Mm -hmm. that, that's it. And so we're really starting from that base on helping them grow and make their dream come true. And so um, they, you know, our community is some of the hardest working people that I know. Obviously, I'm biased because that's the space I'm in all the time. Um, but just they could do so much with so little. You know, we talk about innovation. There's nothing like poverty to teach you how to be innovative, right? We have to get creative. We have to get thrifty. And so what happens if we flip that around and provided an opportunity to our, our business clients to be innovative, but resource them, mm -hmm. right? Resource them instead of living in the space of scarcity, of constant scarcity, that then is a trauma factor altogether. And all the innovation that will come from being able to be given that space too, to uh, be more strategic and forward thinking instead of living in the moment and now, that's absolutely. So you are now a real estate owner. You had mentioned that earlier, you are now a developer. Mm -hmm. um, what does that mean for you personally and as well as for your community, having uh, being a developer in, in the area now? Yeah, so now it's, it's the question of what do we do next, right? Um, Centro Villa can be a one-hit wonder. How do we use everything that we've learned? You know, we've made a lot of mistakes, right, in that learning curve. And so, um, and we've had a lot of successes on how to win. And so how do we transfer that knowledge to others, right? How do we have more developers and project owners in our community that look like us, right? So I think that's really the next step. Um, what else do we need in our neighborhood? We're having strategic conversations with the councilwoman and the leadership on what's next? What else you know, do we do and how do we ride on the tails of Centro Villa? When I fell in love with the concept of ethnic markets in themselves, and that, that's a whole thing, but um, it was really, it wasn't just about the market. Obviously you have a market that's gonna help the entrepreneurs generate revenue from what they're doing intent intentionally, but there's this spur that comes along with it that then helps revitalize the corridor and neighborhoods and residences, right? And so, and it, it creates amenities for new housing, right? And so that's the trajectory of how ethnic markets have improved conditions for the communities they're in. And so how do we then create that suit of amenities that then feeds into Centro Villa? And how do we get the businesses that are within Centro Villa to not just sell their goods and make an income, but really generate wealth, whether that's moving outside of Centro Villa or opening somewhere else. And then how do we also transfer? Obviously, Centro Villa will be very retail focused, very food focused. We're going with what we know and what our community does very well. But how do we transfer that into smart manufacturing, innovation, green energy, all of these other spaces um, that can't, it doesn't stop. This is actually our starting point of how we start getting our community and our entrepreneurs penetrating in all these areas of opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. And when we look at the, the challenges that you're facing um, in economic development in uh, La Vie Hispana and the Clark Fulton neighborhood, um, are you finding things becoming a lot more manageable now that you, you've got your foot in the door, you're in the game? No. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I am finding now that people are recognizing Centro Villa and recognizing the work, and so it makes it a little easier. So I know who to call it the city. I know who to call it the county. And so I, I think figuring out how to penetrate in spaces that before I had no idea, um, I think it's easier. And so that's why the knowledge transfer is important. You know, how do I teach others to know how to navigate through these complicated systems, um, I think becomes an, an important piece of the work. So I think 
there, you know, the reality is a lot of folks didn't think we were going to pull it off, right? Lots of people didn't think they were going to do it or the, the dream was too big or it was too ambitious or it's a nonprofit or, you know, whatever reasons. Um, now that we're doing it, people were like, oh, it's happening, right? And so I think there's a, new, a renewed sense of excitement. And, and that's in multiple levels. That goes from like the residents in the neighborhood, you know, that before we try to do planning sessions and it's like, oh, what do you think it's gonna look like? They didn't even dare dream and imagine because they thought they were gonna be disappointed, right? Now that they're actually seeing it and know that it could be, it's opening up opportunities that before we didn't have to leadership, right? So um, I hope that this is opening again, uh, the doors to opportunity for more developers more organizations that have aspired to have a building, to create a space. I mean, there's just, you can't have community without space, right? Clark Fulton doesn't have green space. We don't have a plaza. We can't gather. You know, I, always, I used to tell people all the time, if you want to host an event and come to Clark Fulton, I have bars and I have churches. And that was it, right? Like, so, and you can have an excuse to either one of those. But creating spaces that are neutral, um, that just allows community to happen, I think we haven't even dreamt of all the possibilities of, of what Centro Villa will do in this neighborhood. Oh, that's really exciting. Um, when we talk about the West 25th corridor plan, I know there was some news coverage about that uh, moving forward recently. Uh, what has your organization, um, like what was, what was your involvement with that? You had mentioned, you know, getting leadership involved with that planning process. Mm -hmm. What were those conversations like and um, what, where do you see uh, La Villa Hispana and Centro Villa 25 playing into that master plan? Yeah, so, you know, Centro Villa, is a destination place for our city, just like the West Side Market, which is on the north side of the corridor, or the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo that's on the side of the corridor. Um, we are right in the middle of the corridor, so it's between I-90 and 71, and so our neighborhood is kind of chopped up. It's also the most narrowest part of West 25th, so I think even for our friends from, the, from RTA, there's some challenges around how we're gonna get folks in and out of the corridor because it looks so different in so many plots. But we know we, we have prime real estate. I'm excited that we bought Centro Villa when we purchased it because if I had to buy it now, we probably wouldn't. But we have this asset. Um, so beyond the responsiveness of Centro Villa for the residents and the entrepreneurs is supporting, it's a destination place. You come to Cleveland, you gotta go to Centro Villa. On Saturdays, you wanna take your family there, whether it's for music or buying groceries or having meetings, you know, having a, work, a, a flexible workspace for you to come in and be able to hold all your meetings there. So um, it needs to be, you know, I, I used to say this to Destination Cleveland for a long time, like we need to be in your glossy magazines. And we are now, right? Like we've made it. We've made it. We're on Destination Cleveland's magazine. But that's the idea. You know, and actually Destination Cleveland will be a placita tomorrow, really engaging with community. And so, again, it's just recognizing and embracing the diversity that this project and this community brings to the fabric of our city. Yeah, it's it's a very dense section of the neighborhood. You'd mentioned West 25th is at its narrowest there. It's not like, you, you know, we're here on Euclid mm -hmm. Avenue where it was a very large street for the traffic that was needed and able to carve out that space for the, the health line. Um, not really an option for, <laughs> for yeah. West 25th right there. Um, you know, bringing up RTA and bringing up um, all these modes of transit also um, reminds me of the concept of the 15 minute city where everyone should be able to walk 15 minutes and be able to get to where they wanna go, get what they need, go to the doctors, the grocery store. And I know the Clark Fulton neighborhood is actually um, a neighborhood on the west side that is a, considered a food apartheid. You have no like major grocery store over there. Do you wanna talk about maybe the efforts that Central Via 25 and some of this economic development happening on 25th Street? I know Pivot Center, for example, is, is also up. Uh, what that means for creating a holistic 15 minute city. Yeah, absolutely. So 
Food disparities in the neighborhood was obviously one of the first things we felt like we needed to address outside from us not having a full grocery store um, within the neighborhood, um, produce options. Then you have also add the cultural dynamic. You know, can I get the right platanos? Can I get the right, you know, ingredients um, that we need for the community? So Centro Villa will be home to a specialty grocery store. So we will have a small grocery store that will address some of those immediate needs. It's still small. It's, it's still not addressing it in its totality, um, but we are able to provide some of the basics of what folks are going to need um, in the neighborhood, right, to, again, make their sofrito or whatever mm -hmm. um, they're cooking for dinner on that given day. You know, um, lots of challenges with the quarter itself and just with the size, you know, walkability, being able to drive, you know, riding bikes, the different modes. Um, I think we there's just some... had a scooter go by. Yeah, <laughs> I think those are some challenges that we still need to address. You know, Centro Villa in its current state, we've gotten cars run into our building a couple times times right there's safety issues there because of the narrowness of, of the space so it's going to require leadership and, and creativity from you know NOACA and RTA and other partners to really figure out that streetscape plan specifically because we're going to have so many people coming into the neighborhood for that but really addressing some immediate needs for the neighborhood you know the neighborhood is a food swamp which is we have every fast food you could imagine within a quarter of a mile right so really trying to, to provide additional options. Um, working with Metro Health and other of our, you know, kind of food as medicine programs and how do we incorporate that into what we're doing so that we're able to expand because Centro Villa is just one project and it's one tiny building trying to take on the world or at least Clark Fulton. Um, but we will rely heavily on partnerships and collaborators to still help us solve for, for the challenges and, and the issues we have. That's in really exciting. I mean, it has to start somewhere, right? Absolutely. And I feel like it has been started for a while and I, I'm just really excited and proud and just cannot wait to see all the, the, the next steps and next developments that you do. Um, I do want to turn this over for the audience Q&A. Uh, I'm Cynthia Connolly, Director of Programming at the City Club of Cleveland, and we are joined by Janice Contreras, Executive Director of the Northeast Ohio Hispanic Center for Economic Development. We're talking about investing in entrepreneurship and economic development with Cleveland's Hispanic community. We welcome questions from everyone, City Club members, guests, students, and those joining via our live stream at cityclub.org or our live radio broadcast at 89.7 WKSU IdeaStream Public Media. If you'd like to text a question for our speaker, you can text it to 330-541-5794. That's 330-541-5794, and City Club staff will try our best to work it into the program. May we have our first question, please? Yes, so we do have a text question. Um, it says, who are the companies and foundations that are stepping up and investing and supporting this vision, and then how can we support them? Yeah, so I mean, our capital stack is really diverse. Um, and so a lot of our banking partners um, have stepped up and provided support for Centro Villa. I don't want to name them all because I'm going to miss one, but you could go on our website and they're out there. So, you know, it started with government, so government sources, so city, county, state capital. Um, federal funds, um, and then we layered in our foundations, Cleveland Foundation, Gun Foundation, and then we layered in our corporate partners, and that was really the strategy around going for them. So I think definitely supporting the entities that support us and support community is important, um, but more important is finding the ones that are not. Right? Who are the others around town that haven't stepped up and haven't contributed to some of the projects happening here? I think it's equally as important. And then obviously supporting the ones that support community development and community happening. Is there a lot of individual support coming in for, yeah. for this work? Yeah, we have um, 
One of the things um, that was important for us was um, creating a pathway for our community to be able to also be a part and contribute. And so we created an initiative called Power 100, where we asked 100 leaders to contribute a minimum $5,000 into the campaign. And so if we're able to do that, we would have raised half a million dollars of the people and of the community. And so we have gotten enormous support. Um, we're not at 100 yet, but definitely um, it's been an opportunity of saying, hey, $5,000 is significant, a significant amount of money, but it's also doable. You know, we broke it down into, you know, monthly payments. It's $140 a month for overtime. So we're like, that's a dinner bill or an outing with family. Um, but it's just, you know, super impressive and humbling to me to see people commit and put their own skin in the game. We have a lot of power 100 people even in the audience that could look around and see folks that have said yes to our call to really support the project. So along with the corporate and government supporters, we have the Latino leadership and friends and allies of ours that have joined Power 100. Great. You have another question. How do you plan for the development? So we've seen in Ohio City when you start to build some of those stakes in the ground to build economic development around those spaces, it can go at a, the, the train can take off from the station before we're really prepared. And the, the inclination is to often say, let's worry about that problem when we actually face it, but how do you start right now in building in some of the pieces to make sure that you manage some of that growth to maintain affordability and things like that in the community? Yeah, great question, Carrie. Um, you know, it really started with ownership. You know, we knew that we needed to own it because that's a way to control it, right? So if you don't own the real estate, you can't. I couldn't develop the Clark Fulton neighborhood for a private developer that, or a private owner that then would see that. And so I think that's the level of intentionality of why we own the real estate or a nonprofit in the community owns it because we are able to make sure rents are affordable and we're able to, to control it in that sense. Um, as we went through this project, we knew that market pressures are coming. Ohio City's running out of space. Tremont's running out of space. And so it's starting over. You know, the rental rates in our neighborhood used to be super affordable. And while they still are affordable compared to other neighborhoods, they have increased dra dramatically. Um, so I think there's some market pressures that we are aware of that can't fully control. But we also thought, well, maybe we could slow it down a little bit. Um, and so I think that's the intent of now, you know, having space on West 25th is premier, but entrepreneurs are gonna have that in an affordable way. And so um, I think it was also a mix of having anchor tenants that could support the project while our kiosk tenants then reap some of those benefits. And so I think there were different things that we did strategically to plan for what was gonna happen anyways. It's still not perfect, right? I think we're gonna have to figure it out and play for it, and especially the first three years um, around rental subsidies, or you know, we'll have to figure out how to fix for that, but um, it, it never went past us to say, hey, this, this train has left the station, it's moving really quickly, and so how do we still manage, you know, how do we manage construction costs? You know, anybody that's building anything, even residential, it's so expensive. So we've tried to accommodate as, we best, as best as we can and plan for it. And that's, that's it. We have a lot of learning to do and we'll have a lot of hurdles to go. I think getting back to your main point in the very beginning about this being for community and by community, mm -hmm. which I see a lot of the development happening there fitting that bill. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. All right, we have another text question. Can you tell us how uh, Central Via will support Hispanic entrepreneurs? Yes. Yeah, so specifically, um, Centro Villa will have 20 micro retailers 
um, in the space. And so these will be owned and operated by um, diverse entrepreneurs. Um, we have a commercial kitchen that will also be used by entrepreneurs for pure food, produ uh, food production. So it's food production that's leaving Centro Villa. It's not necessarily servicing um, the site. So that's bakers, caterers, food trucks that need prepping and storage. Um, all of that could happen in Centro Villa. So that's a whole other group of entrepreneurs. Um, the grocery store is an entrepreneur, as well as events and other special things that we do. So specifically, we will support entrepreneurs that need physical space. That's kind of why we went into this is Clark Fulton has no space for us to plug in business owners, even if they have the best business plan possible. Nobody could afford to rehab a whole building or there's just a lot of you know vacant spaces, right? So we needed a development project and so that's why the concept of having one big building, multiple entrepreneurs growing together. But beyond them having space there, we're providing them all the business support. So the we've had letters of intent of um, business owners that want to be in Centro Villa. They have been prepping this, so they started in May. And so one Saturday a month they meet and work on their business plan and their strategy up to the end of this year where we hope to announce who those business owners are. So it's also the construction cycle has given us time to work on the businesses to make sure that they're gonna be successful and have planning, which typically doesn't happen in businesses. You get a building, you go in there, and then you figure out the business plan, or then you figure out how you're gonna pay for it. So we're taking advantage of this period and making sure that we've thought of as much as we can prior to opening and so they're ready to go. Beyond that, our offices will be the Business Innovation Center. So we are collaborating with Jumpstart to bring resources for entrepreneurs. As I said, we already serve a thousand businesses a year in our tiny office. Now we'll actually have space that's more conducive for growth and business interaction. And I think one thing that happens, you know, entrepreneurship is a very lonely place. Um, you're kind of on your own to make decisions. And when you have a problem, you have to figure it out. And hopefully you have a lifeline, but most entrepreneurs don't. We want to create a network of, of a safe place that entrepreneurs could come and learn from each other. Obviously, we'll have the resources with business advisors, but sometimes talking to a peer or hearing somebody's story, we don't see each other enough because everybody's too busy working on their business. So we're hoping that the Business Innovation Center will create a space where they could have that common networking and collaboration that's very difficult in the space. What would someone expect when they walk into Centro Via 25? So they, they, they're the first time to Clark Fulton, they heard of this amazing place, they wanted to go check it out. What would they expect? So Cynthia's letting me dream on when we open and it's ugly. One, it's gonna be super colorful. Um, we know Cleveland likes the buildings to match the sky, as you can see, right? The skies are gray, the buildings are gray. Centro Villa is not gonna be like that. We're using a lot of color, which is very different for our city. And we hope we start a new trend of folks using color um, in neighborhoods and in communities. Um, but when you walk in, it's just gonna be this bright, live place where you're gonna hear music. I mean, it probably will be a sensory overload for some, right? But that's kind of how Latinos are. We're just, we're, we bring a whole lot. Um, but really being able to find something there for you again, whether it's coming to the Business Innovation Center, going to any of the other anchor tenants that are providing services, the grocery store, you know, entertainment, outdoor and indoor entertainment, the ability to sit on your laptop and do nothing. Um, one of my favorites, I love all of it, right? I'm a little biased, but um, oh, actually, in the commercial kitchen, you could see inside the kitchen. So you'll actually see the production happening from just visiting the market. Um, but being able to, Clark Fulton, there is not one place that you could sit outside like this and have a mojito or have a meeting or go for an anniversary and celebrate. And so all of these things that are amenities, again, that our neighborhood didn't have is all things that you could expect in Centro Villa. And if you have a dream of something that we haven't mentioned, 
definitely bring it. Let us know because we are we are all about it. Love it. We have the next question. Yeah. So we know like the concept of entrepreneurship is becoming more and more popular, especially with younger generations. So I guess my question for you is, what are some resources that you would suggest for youth in particular, mm -hmm. um, especially within the Hispanic community that are interested either in entrepreneurship, have already started a business and are looking mm -hmm. to expand or looking for funding in different ways? Connect to the resources. And, and I know that that sounds easy and it could be challenging. Um, Cleveland has a lot. We have a pretty robust entrepreneurship ecosystem, I think the challenge is how do you find it, right? I think folks don't know where to go for what. Um, go to any one of them and we will help navigate, right? So definitely the Hispanic Business Center, the Urban League, um, Cleveland State, three small business development centers, right? You know, in technically in our backyards, depending where you're at. Um, but access resources, ask questions, figure out, you know, what you need. But I think the small business development centers are supposed to be your first stop, right? So we are able to then connect to whether it's Jumpstart, whether it's access to capital, whether we're able to create a plan for you in a way that's objective and neutral. We may not always have all the answers and all the resources, but helping connect. Specific to youth, um, Lincoln West High School is just a block over from Centro Villa. I am a proud Lincoln West alum, by the way. I grew up on West 30th and Clark, and so this is, this is my homecoming with Centro Villa. But um, really creating an opportunity, one thing that I see um, as a Lincoln West alum is Lincoln West doesn't have a pride shop, right? They don't have a, a place where you could buy everything, Wolverines and Lincoln West, right? And so, but when my kids were in high school, that was, you know, I spent thousands of dollars on getting them. So we're hoping to teach entrepreneurship. We're working with the Cleveland Cavaliers to do some internships in their team shop. Like who else knows how to sell a brand in sports, right? Um, and help them have a kiosk at Centro Villa where they're able to have a pride shop for the school and then decide what they're doing with their profits and the money and how do they support that back. So there's some very specific projects that we want to achieve specifically with our proximity to the school and, and my, my heart with the school. So um, again, just a bunch of opportunities that we hope we realize once the building's ready. I'm actually really curious the different approach you're seeing with the younger generation in um, you know, small business creation and entrepreneurship. It seems like every time I'm on my For You page on TikTok, I'm seeing like some you know, Gen, Gen Zer with like yeah. this incredible innovative idea um, what are you seeing in the work you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I think we, we have a lot to learn from this new generation of workforce, right? And, and how it looks different and how it's more independent. Um, and at times it's more isolated, right? Because everybody's behind a screen. Um, so back to the point of really creating a hub or a place where they could come and then they could crawl back to their to their spaces of where they're creative and where, the, where it works best. But we're seeing a lot more on the creative side of technology, of, you know, innovation again, and more so the reason why it's important to have spaces where they could come and be resourced. Um, a lot of the programming now, it's hybrid. You could come in if that's what you need. You could do it virtually if that's what you need. You could record it. Um, we still have a lot to learn on how to cater to, to this new generation of entrepreneurs. Honestly, I, I talked to a lot of my peers and we're all just still trying to figure it out. Um, but we need to be responsive to that. Doing things the way we used to do them no longer works. It's not effective. It's not the face of entrepreneurship today. And so we have to be nimble on being able to adjust to meet those needs. All right, we have another text question. Um, is the idea of Central Via just for the West 25th area, or is it also inclusive for other areas that established businesses in the last five to 10 years, such as West 117th or Lorraine? Um, and if not, are you looking to expand into those spaces? Yeah, we would love to. So 
First of all, our organization will serve any business no matter where you're at. Um, Centro Villa is a special project for us, but we are not limited by um, geography. We are not limited by income. So really, you definitely don't need to be Latino or speak Spanish, right? So uh, services are open to anybody that either has a business idea or has a business and needs help or needs to be connected to resources, right? We tend to be kind of that first stop. People usually come to us when they're trying to figure it out, and then we connect them to other resources, and that's fine, too. Um, as far as other, we, we have a lot of commercial corridors in our city that need work and need help, and so we could be a partner on those. We've worked with a lot of other neighborhoods. We've worked in Collingwood. We've worked um, with Detroit Shoreway, with Old Brooklyn. Um, Tremont in their um, incubator program. Um, so we are open to work anywhere in the city um, and again are not limited to, to West 25th. Obviously that's our heart where our office is, but we're happy to come out anywhere, um, whether it's with the local community development organization or an entrepreneur that has an idea for their neighborhood or their commercial corridors. Have you been seeing a lot of uh, other um, BIPOC organizations reaching out recently with your success with Centralia? Yes, that could be a whole other job. <laughs> um, super excited, um, having some really good conversations with the Asian community who, you know, are inspired by what, what we're doing in the Latino community. And so, you know, if I could share our story, if we could say, hey, this is how it was for us. If they could learn from our mistakes, that's excellent. So yes, it's happening a lot. And I think that's exactly what we want to happen. We want folks to look at Centro Villa and say, how do we create, recreate this in other areas and address it? And what does it look like for other communities? You know, Centro Villa it was our response, but for other communities, it might look very different, yet still have some of the same elements and the same struggles of what we went through. So what's good for La Villa Hispana is good for all of Cleveland. Hey, I like that. <laughs> Um, so we have a listener that is asking um, a little bit more about La Placita that's happening this weekend. Can you hey. share a little bit more about that? Absolutely. Um, so La Placita, obviously I'm a walking billboard for La Placita today. Um, it's an open air market um, that takes place on the corner of West 25th and Clark, um, right in the heart of our neighborhood. And literally you'll see Centro Villa from um, the parking lot. So we've been doing La Placita, this is our eighth year. Um, and we did it as a way to get the community excited and engaged while development was happening. Um, it's from 1 to 10 p.m. tomorrow and from 1 to 8 on Saturday, Sunday. Um, you could expect bands, mute, lots of good food, um, cultural experiences. There's something for every age. Attending the events is completely free. Um, so we hope everyone comes out. And we get a pretty diverse crowd. So you get a lot of, obviously, the residents folks, but folks that want to engage. And again, La Placita is just a flavor of what's going to happen when Centro Villa is open. So check us out this weekend. Make sure to bring our, our cash for that, those empanadas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of empanadas. All right, we have another text question. Um, what types of community engagement tactics are used to solicit community members' feedback? What is the strategy for engagement of community members who live in the neighborhood mm -hmm. versus Latinos from outside of the neighborhood? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And it's a face, honestly, that we need to do more of, specifically at this point. The focus has been securing the real estate, securing the money, securing um, what's happening. And so now that that is all secure and construction is happening, I think it's important for us to go back to the community and say, okay, it's happening. What do you want? What do you want to see there? And how do we um, partner with other organizations to do it? Um, it's a building. We can't do it all. We don't have, I wish, we don't have the resources, nor should we. 
um, right? It's creating an opportunity for a lot of other folks to innovate and create in the space. And so that is definitely a phase and, and a period that we will use um, beginning of 2024 to go back to the community and say, all right, now we have Centro Villa. Now, what do we do with it? Because without community, it's just the building, right? It's not going to be activated until the community comes in and takes advantage and, you know, creates life inside of the facility. Um, so one of the things that you talked about in the building is the commercial kitchen that's being built. Um, what are some of the other areas of interest that you're seeing from entrepreneurs in the community in terms of businesses that they want to start or further develop and grow? Yeah, so obviously, you know, I feel like everybody in the city is talking about construction. Um, so I think that is an area with a lot of physical infrastructure that's happening. Um, so we have a program around Latino Construction Capacity Initiative to help entrepreneurs. And I know the city has made some investments in this area. So definitely construction is an area. And then everything that's technology and graphic design and all of the things that we're doing virtually. Um, so. We are a small business development center that's kind of like a jack of all trades, but we also have specific verticals where we see the bulk of our clients to develop programming that's responsive um, to those needs. Go ahead, next question. Hello, um, I think what you've done is so amazing and so good for Cleveland. I'm a Cleveland native myself and my family were immigrants. So I'm wondering, you know, what can we do as a city, as a community to attract uh, more immigrants, you know, do you do, I mean, my family came here because we had a relative here. You know, what drew mm -hmm. you to Cleveland and how do we get more Janices here? <laughs> Thanks, Jan. You know, it's exactly that. People come because they have somebody, you know, that's, that's, that's how most Puerto Ricans got here. That's why my grandfather got here. Um, but I think making sure, you know, we talk a lot about being a welcoming city, but what does that mean? You know, and I think, so, so I, th I think we need to peel the onion back a little bit more. You know, do we have, you know, high paying wage jobs? You know, are we creating a pipeline? Are we being represented in, in the spaces that we hold um, to make sure that when folks come in, they feel well? You know, you could you could have a billion good experiences, but it takes one bad experience to kind of kill it, right? Like, unfortunately, yeah. especially with social media, it carries um, it carries weight. But in, in, in learning and, you know, embracing diversity and really learning about others is the best way. Um, I get folks all the time that try to talk Spanish, right? And so for some people that would be annoying. I like when people try to talk in my language, right? Because it shows effort and it shows intent. Do you get the access? Do you know how to roll the R's? I don't really care, but you're trying to connect to who I am and where I came from. And that goes a long way. And so I think that's, that's part of inclusion and belonging and really making people feel like they're part of the fabric. I think we need to be really, really intentional about development in the city being inclusive. Obviously, we're having a lot of conversations around a riverfront master plan, right? How do, how do Latinos feel connected to that? How do, how do all communities feel like that is being built for me? Um, and, and there's a, an enormous amount of level of intentionality that needs to happen to pull those things off successfully. That's what will make Cleveland attract others. And we've heard that the mayor said it at our, at our groundbreaking. We want to be a welcoming city and we want to make sure that folks know that Cleveland is the pace for you, but, but we need to have a whole lot of intentionality between, behind that. Absolutely. I think we have another, one more question behind there. Hi. Hi, Janice. Uh, my name is Jessica Columbia. I'm the Director of Policy and Research for Cleveland City Council, and it was just such a classic Janice moment um, as you were driving to a meeting and talking me through the ARPA 
form that we had to fill out um, to ensure that we got some ARPA dollars to uh, Central Via, and that was such a rewarding evening when we got to announce that and council passed it. Um, to that end, and I heard some of the questions, could you speak to uh, the community benefits ordinance that council initiated last year and we passed? You participated in the hearings, but it specifically references you know, any developer who wants to develop in the yeah. city that um, depending on the amount of money of uh, city financial assistance, it triggers sure. a community benefits agreement. So uh -huh. that answers the previous question in a really like specific way. Yep. Um, and then I just, is there anything else you want us to know? A question you haven't been asked yet that you really um, want to share with us about this process and your experience. And by the way, thank you for doing this. I can't wait to go. Oh, awesome. Thanks, Jessica. Well, first of all, you know, we, we are still a half of a, a million dollars close of our goal, but our last biggest um, chunk came from the city's ARPA funding through the leadership of Councilwoman Santana and Council President Blaine Griffin. And so we are extremely grateful. And they're still trying to figure out how do they help us with the rest of it and literally came down to Centro Villa to say, how do we figure this out, right? And that's the type of leadership we need more of um, because it's really what's saving this project and getting us moving. So super grateful to our city leadership and our council um, for that. The second piece of that, um, as Jessica mentioned, we're talking a lot about development and construction and such a hot topic. Um, one of the legislations that I was happy to support and join city council on was the passing of community benefits agreement, which means if I am a developer and I am using public resources, um, I need to have a plan on how my project is benefiting the communities I'm impacting, right? And you have to figure that out before you're able to start your project. But it's what does it mean to the community before, during construction, and after to make sure that we don't have developers coming in, doing a nice building, and then going away, and the community's like, where are our jobs, right? Where are our contracts? And so there's specific floor level goals that they have to achieve to have a successful community benefits. Um, super proud to support those efforts. Um, Centro Villa has a community benefits agreement, right? So we are also holding ourselves to the same standards that we hold our peers and also being able to say, hey, you could do it and still make your budget and timeline and um, all of the cons we get sometimes. But um, it makes for good development and it makes for a good integrated city that um, is inclusive and we all should benefit of the economic growth of these projects. Absolutely. Janice, thank you so much for joining us at the City Club today. Please, everyone, a round of applause for Janice Contreras. Thank you. Thank you. Forums like this one are made possible thanks to the generous support of people like you. If you, would if you liked what you heard today, please consider becoming a guardian of free speech at cityclub.org. Today's forum is part of our Building Success Series in collaboration with Huntington. It is also part of City Club in the Community, presented in partnership with Bank of America. The City Club is also grateful for the continued support of our many community partners. Be sure to join us on Friday, September 15th in our new home in Playhouse Square. Cleveland Mayor Justin Bibb and Cincinnati Mayor Aftab Purival will sit down for a discussion on the work of governing Ohio cities today. And then on Friday, September 29th, the City Club will host a discussion with writer Charlene Hunter-Galt, winner of this year's Annisfield Wolf Book Awards Lifetime Achievement Award. You can learn more about these forums and others at cityclub.org. And that brings us to the end of today's forum. Thank you once again to Janice Contreras, and thank you, members and friends of the City Club. I'm Cynthia Connolly, and this forum is now adjourned. For information on upcoming speakers or for podcasts of the City Club, go to cityclub.org.
production and distribution of City Club forums on IdeaStream Public Media are made possible by PNC and the United Black Fund of Greater Cleveland Incorporated.